Welcome into Getting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, the Falcons have to get pressure on P.J. Walker. Will Kenley Jansen be back with the Braves? And Collins is off to the start that the Hawks needed. It's all next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by Bet Online. Head to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta in the search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment. Don't forget, we are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Head there and leave us a five star review today. Also, Roku and Amazon Fire. Check us out on those platforms as well. And then follow me at JMCH316. So one of the things, and we'll break the game down more tomorrow as far as the matchup between the Falcons and the Carolina Panthers, one thing the Falcons need to do is get pressure on P.J. Walker. Now you say, well, isn't that kind of obvious? Yeah, but when you look at some of the numbers, the difference in a pressured P.J. Walker and a clean P.J. Walker is pretty staggering. So first off, it was good to see the Falcons get back into the sack column. And I understand Over the last couple of weeks, they had two sacks that were taken away. They had one against the Buccaneers, which was the most dreadful call in the history of the NFL. And then they had another sack that was taken away in the 49ers game as well. So it was good to see them get back three sacks on Joe Burrow, get back on track. So for the year, the Falcons are now back up to a 27-sack pace, which not terrible. like to see that number get a little bit closer to 30 when we end the season. But if you can tell me we're getting somewhere, you know, 27 to 30 sacks this year, that's going to be a really good leap. That gets you more in line with, you know, even some of the the lower mid-tier teams in the league. But a couple of numbers about P.J. Walker, the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, that that I thought was interesting. When P.J. Walker has a clean pocket, he has a quarterback rating of 114 Point six, So clean, he's 114.6. When he's under pressure, that number drops all the way to, ready, 39.6. So under pressure, he goes from a 114.6 down to a 39.6. Now that's a drastic drop. Mariota is not even close to the difference between clean and under pressure. So look, Walker's a guy who they're figuring out a way to get him into a comfort zone and he's helping them win games. And for the year, the Panthers have been a very kind of lopsided offense, but they're getting a little bit more balanced under PJ Walker. And last week, remember Walker had the highest pro football focus grade of any quarterback in the league. He was outstanding. 17 for 22, a couple of hundred yards, a couple touchdowns had zero throws that were um, considered turnover-worthy or anything like that. Now, the other interesting number when you start to look at the Panthers is they have the seventh-best pass-blocking offensive line in the NFL. So we were breaking down numbers yesterday about where the Falcons rank pass-blocking-wise because I think there's been some false narrative about what the Falcons are or are not on their offensive line. 
But Carolina has been really good in the pass blocking game. And they've thrown it quite a bit when they had Baker Mayfield as their quarterback. And even with Walker right now, they're throwing it even more than what the Falcons are. Of course, then again, every team but one throws it more than the Falcons do nowadays. But they're efficient in what they do. And they give him an opportunity to be able to make plays in the pocket. So it's going to be imperative this weekend that on Sunday that the Falcons find a way to get home. Going to have to get after Walker. And if nothing else, you know, create some havoc, even if you don't get him down on the ground. And by the way, he's not really going to take off and run with the football. If you look at his numbers so far this year, as far as running, he's got what? Uh, He's got one uh, attempt for minus one yard. So it's not like he's going to run. He ran more in college. When he was at Temple, he he could use his legs and he could get out and make some plays. He's not that guy anymore. So he's gonna he's not going to be a guy who's going to get out and start taking off and running with the football if he gets under duress. If you can get him under duress, you've got a definite shot to be able to put him on the ground. And what do we always say? Changing up down and distance. You know, Carolina is one of those offenses that if you can force them into into longer down and distances, they're not designed to be able to huck it all over the field and try to make their living that way. And obviously, look, without Christian McCaffrey now, that doesn't give them that underneath release guy, right? You know, McCaffrey is one of those guys who those kinds of running backs have killed the Falcons in the past. The Alvin Kamaros and the Christian McCaffrey's not just running the football, but catching balls underneath, sort of like what Leonard Fournette did a few weeks ago, right? So without him there in their offense anymore, you take away a lot of that idea of giving him a a, a release underneath and making life tough for the Falcons' defense. Good news is is that Falcons are slow trickling, starting to get some guys back. Looks like D. Alford, he practiced yesterday. Looks like he could be available A.J. Terrell, I don't believe, is going to play. We'll see. Maybe there's a miracle between today and tomorrow that he comes back and practices. But I expect, obviously, Hayward's on IR, so he's going to be out. Uh, We know Jalen Hawkins is out. He's in the concussion protocol. So I expect D. Alford to play as of now. In the words of Vince McMahon, plans change, pal. But I expect Alford to play for now. I don't expect A.J. Terrell will play this weekend. So it's still going to be a beat-up, banged up, depleted secondary. But at least if you get Alford back, Isaiah Oliver, you you got some guys, Darren Hall, right? You got some guys who can at least stay out there. But the key on Sunday will be getting pressure on Walker because his numbers tell you that when he gets under duress, bad things happen for the Carolina Panthers. And look, I understand that's true of most quarterbacks in the league, right? And again, we've talked about how important sacking the quarterback is to change up the down and distance aspect of it. But Walker, especially when you look at, when you look at, and by the way, his sack percentage, he's taken five sacks. His sack percentage is the same as Marcus Mariota. He gets sacked a lot of percent. He's over 10% of his plays result in a sack. So that's a good thing. You know, it's not so good for our quarterback to be that way, but for PJ Walker, he takes a high percentage of sacks on snaps over 10%, like 10.2%, which actually is the same number that Marcus Mariota has. And if you also look, by the way, too, about P.J. Walker, and I'll give him some credit for what he's done, his big-time throw percentage, which in the world of metrics means that 
throw the football downfield accurately in a tight window. He's at 12%. Now, you say, well, that doesn't sound like it's very high. Yeah, but Mariota's at 2.5%, and most quarterbacks are somewhere in the 3 to 5% range. So he's been accurate with the football. He's made plays with the football. When he gets time, he can make plays, and he's done that. He played terrible against the Rams a couple of weeks ago, but he played really well last weekend when they beat the Buccaneers. Like I said, he had the highest pro football focus grade of any quarterback in the league. But you look at the numbers, 114.6 when he's clean, 39.6 rating when he's pressured. You got to get after him this Sunday. That, to me, is going to be the first key to all of this. And we'll break the game down more tomorrow when we get ready for Carolina and the Falcons. Want to talk about my friends over at Bet Online? Listen, NFL football is cranked back up tonight. We got multiple college football games. We're neck deep in NBA, right? Early part of the season, but we got games all the time. People playing all the time. World Series starts up tomorrow. You want to get in on the action. You feel good about the Falcons this weekend? That line has come down. If you look, Bet Online is your number one source for all your sports wagering information, and they can't make it any easier. You take that mobile device and you head to betonline.net and check out all the news and information that they got. So you need podcast news, you need stats, you need scores, you need all of your e-betting. Everything is available to you at betonline.net. You get in on the action. You want to get in on NBA, World Series, NFL, college football. Everything is there for you. And right now we're in our sweet spot of all of the different things that are available to you, right? We're getting into NHL season and everything else that's available to you. So take the mobile device, head to betonline.net today. Check out all the information. Be a smarter sports wager. Get in on the action. Betonline.net is where the action starts. So I saw a clip of Kenley Jansen who was stopped where he was going and he was talking to TMZ and obviously Kenley Jansen, the Braves closer, he's a free agent this year. And he was talking to a TMZ reporter and they were asking him his thoughts about, you know, Atlanta and going back to, you know, potentially going back to the Dodgers and stuff like that. Here's what he told TMZ about Atlanta. Quote, I can tell you all great things about Atlanta. Atlanta is awesome. The fans, the people, the organization I had a great time there, and we had a great season there. But he was also asked about the idea of, you know, a possible return to the L.A. Dodgers. And he said, yeah, he said, that's something that that I could explore. That's all. We're going to look at all the different options and things like that. So do the Braves want Kenley Jansen back? This will be an interesting call for the Atlanta Braves. Now, look. I know as soon as I bring up the name Kenley Jansen, all of the angst and everything like that starts to happen. He did save 41 out of 48 chances this year. That's 85.4%. Just to give you some perspective, because in the words of my friend Eric Bischoff, context is king, right? So in the context is king world, okay? I know Edwin Diaz is the gold standard for closers, and he's got his music and bop, bada, bop, 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 right? Okay, he was at 91% save percentage for the year. Jansen would have had to have had three and a half additional saves to finish with the same percentage as Edwin Diaz. So it's not so, it's not like, because Jansen had 10 more saves, but it's not like the difference in their save percentage was so staggering that, you know, again, that they don't even compare to one another. And I get, and I understand the angst and everything like that of Kenley Jansen. Would I be open to the idea of bringing Jansen back? Yes. Now, obviously, at the trade deadline, the other big move that they made is they traded for closer Rizel Iglesias, 
who is under contract and he's got some money locked up and tied up in him. Okay. He's been a closer in the past. When he was with the Reds, he had seasons of 28, 30, 34 uh, saves in a season. A couple of years ago, uh, he had 34 saves for the Los Angeles Angels, who he came over from. And then this year, before the Braves grabbed him, he had 16 saves on the season for the Angels, which is not a bad number, because considering that the Angels were dreadful this year with Trout and Otani and all those guys. They fired their manager and didn't win squat out there. Do I think Rizel Iglesias can handle the job of closer? Yes. I got no problem turning it over to him. And I think a lot of us wanted to see what he could do, right? You know, Jansen's one of those guys getting a little bit older. And understand, when people were calling for the idea of Jansen to be replaced or this or that or whatever like that, understand, Kenley Jansen does one thing. He closes out games. Right? Like he has one job and only one thing that he can do, and that's the closeout. He's not a setup guy. He's not a bridge guy. He's not a this. He's not a that. He's an end of the game, hand him the ball. I got hundreds of saves, and I've been in big moments, and you give him the ball and go. But I get the angst out of all of it. And to be fair, that's the life of closers. You know, the last two years, you know, for the for the division-winning Atlanta Braves, Will Smith, Kenley Jansen, all the angst of it. But at the end of the day, they, by and large, get the job done. Again, Kenley Jansen was 85.4%. That's not top flight. That isn't Josh Hader. But then again, there's nobody in the league that's Josh Hader-like. And again, three and a half saves is the difference between – if Jansen had three and a half more saves, he would have had the same exact save percentage as Edwin Diaz. And you start to get into the 90 plus percentile. That's the magic number in Major League Baseball. If you're 90% or above, you're in elite territory, right? But not every closer is Dennis Eckersley from 1992. Guys are going to have their blips and bloops and ups and downs and bangs and bips and bops and stuff like that. So that's kind of expected out of all of it. So I'm not completely against the idea of Jansen. I don't think that the Braves will bring him back. I think Iglesias is going to get the, the look at being the, the closer, I think they're going to run with him. But it was interesting. Obviously, Jansen enjoyed his time here. We'll see what happens there. We'll talk more about this in just a second. But reminder, we appreciate you making our show the first listen every day. Your second listen needs to be locked on sports today. Check out the podcast. Biggest stories of the day. Instant reactions. Big game recaps. Take of the day. Locked on sports today is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast from. So, look. You know, when we talk about the idea of where the Braves are going to invest money in this, that, and the other, I don't know that they're going to, even for a one-year decent kind of deal, bring a Jansen back. You got Iglesias. He's under contract. You've got a pretty good group of bullpen guys, you know, the McHughes and Minters and guys like that, that I don't think that the assets need to be allocated to a guy like Jansen. Again, it wouldn't be the worst move in the world, but understand, if they bring Kenley Jansen back, they're bringing him back to close. They're not bringing him back to set guys up and a bridge and stuff like that. This is this is you bring Jansen back because he's a closer in Major League Baseball. I think personally they'll turn it over to Iglesias when all is said and done. Which again, you know, I have no problem with. I mean, if you look at look at some of his metrics and some of his numbers as well, the strikeouts are right in line. He's almost 11 strikeouts per nine innings. He was 
He's a little bit higher with the Angels this year than he was with the Braves. With Braves, he was just over 10. With the Angels, he was over 12. He's had, over the last couple of seasons, multiple seasons where he's been 12, 13 strikeouts per nine innings. So he fits all the mold and everything like that. And you're paying him, right? So if we're talking about moves that need to be made, how much payroll are we bringing on? How much are we adding? We got to go get a shortstop or we have to re-sign Dansby or whatever's going to happen there. Do they go out and make a big move as, as far as a starter goes? The more that I read, the less that it's probably realistic that they're going to bring on DeGrom. Because DeGrom's opting out of $63 million. He ain't playing here for fish heads and rice. He ain't coming here to take less money. He's opting out of $63 million. There's your starting point, you know, 33, basically $32, $31 million per year over the next couple of years. There's your starting point. You ready to have a $40 million pitcher that has only pitched 26 times the last two years? Eh, I don't think it's going to happen uh, out there. But look, I appreciate what Jansen did. I know he gives people a lot of angst and a lot of just uneasy feelings and stuff like that. But welcome to closers in Major League Baseball, right? I mean, look, they they let Iglesias pick, pitch next year and he closed against that. Guess what? He's going to have some troubles too, you know, and let's be honest. How many big time moments has Iglesias had to close games in? He's pitched for the Reds and the Angels. How many pennant chasing save opportunities was Iglesias getting? So there's always that factor of the unknown about, okay, when the competition ramps up and it's not just a save, it's we're trying to win the division and get ourselves back in the playoffs. There is that added pressure on there. So I, Again, I think he'll be fine. I think that's the route that they're going to go. You've got enough of your other bullpen pieces and things like that. So I appreciate what Kenley Jansen did this year. 41 saves, 48 opportunities. I know that seven number just sticks out like a sore thumb to Braves fans. But still, if you look, it was a successful season for Jansen. We'll see. But I think Iglesias is going to get the job, the closer job when all is said and done. Right, I want to talk about my friends over at Built Bar. Listen. Built.com is the place to go. You're looking for low sugar, low carb, low calorie, high protein snacks. It's funny. Last night, I'm I'm going on after the Hawks game last night. I had a couple of Built Bars that I brought with me to just kind of snack on. You know, didn't really eat dinner. Just had a couple of Built Bars to snack on. Check out all of the different flavors. They always got a new flavor coming out each month. And we've talked before about the protein infused marshmallow puffs, right? You want something with a little different taste and texture. The marshmallow puffs are the way to go. Last night I was eating a, a coconut uh, bar, berry, all kinds of cookies and cream. They got all kinds of different flavors. So head to built.com today, go through their extensive menu of products, get your order together. And when you get to checkout, use the promo code locked on 15 at checkout L O C K E D O N the number one, the number five, Use Locked On 15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. Simply use the promo code Locked On 15. You'll get 15% off of your order at built.com. Check them out today. Well, it was a good win for the Atlanta Hawks last night as they open up this five game road set in Detroit. And of course, they've got Detroit again on Friday. So played them last night, day off today, playing the Pistons. And then it's Milwaukee, Toronto, and then they'll finish up the five game road set in Madison Square Garden against the New York Knicks. You know, last night was a bit of a struggle, fight, scratch, claw, and things like that. One guy who had a good night last night was John Collins. 19 points, 11 rebounds, 
nine of 14 shooting. Um, he missed his only three, but he had four blocks in that game last night. And one of those was big where turnover ran back down, chased the guy down, blocked a shot, big play last night. We've talked before about, you know, the X factors about what's going to take this team up to the next level. And it's Collins and Hunter. I know how good DeJounte Murray is going to be. I know how good Trey Young is going to be. Capella is what he is. They have all their different pieces and parts. And we've talked about, look, when it comes to Collins and Hunter, the first thing that we have to say is when I look at games played, that number has to start with a seven. But if you look at Collins' start thus far and what he's doing for this team, he's off to exactly the kind of start that they need. He's averaging 19 points. He's averaging 10 and a half rebounds, 2.3 blocks per game, only half an assist, but I don't care about that, and a steal and a half per game. So if you look at some of his numbers, he's shooting 57.7% from two-point land. 0.577 is his shooting percentage. That's his best total since 2019. In fact, if he can keep that pace, that'll be the second highest field goal percentage that he's ever had in the league. You got to go back in his glory days. And the only other thing about that is his shooting attempts, his field goal attempts are down slightly, but not much. I mean, if you look at where he's at, you know, it's, it's higher than last year, but it is down a little bit from some of his peak years. But if you told me John Collins would shoot almost 60% from the field, give me 19 and 11 every night. And oh, by the way, give him credit. He's 11 for 11 at the free throw line. This is exactly the kind of start that they needed out of John Collins. And we're starting to see early on, I know it's only four games in, that we're starting to see that, okay, Murray, <clears throat> DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, they can get him the ball. He can be a definite part of the offense, but he doesn't have to be the top dog, right? He still got 14 shots up last night. So if you told me John Collins would be 19 for 19 and 11 every night and give me 60% shooting from the field, I'll take that all day long. You know, his three-point field goal percentage, it's about where he's average. He's at almost 36%. He was just over 36% last year. So again, I, I don't need John Collins to be my big three-point score, right? That's what I've got Trey Young and eventually they're going to get bogey back and you hope A.J. Griffin gets himself in the mix. I need Collins to provide me that low post play. And we talked about, look, if the Hawks are going to get to that next level and be what we hope that they can be, you want to be a top three, four, five seed in the Eastern Conference. Well, Collins and Hunter are going to be two of those guys. And I like what DeAndre Hunter has done. If you've noticed, if you watched him, his aggressiveness on offense and especially getting to the basket. That's one of the things I've really enjoyed about Hunter this year. You saw that last night where he knew that they, late in that game, he knew that they were over the limit on fouls, they being Detroit, pronouns, pal. They were over their limit on fouls. He got to the basket, got himself to the free throw line. So I like what Hunter's done aggressively. But Collins is off to that start that we hope that we would see, right? He's off to that double-double start. He's off to a start where he looks a little bit more like the guy that we saw in years past. Now it's all about, can we keep him in that lineup every night? Can he stay healthy? He was a factor on defense last night, had the four blocks, had the real big key block late in that game last night. He can doesn't have to be a great defensive player, but if he can be an asset to it and give them a little bit of relief, 
his offense and rebounding is coming right along. Now, one thing I will mention about the Hawks that the only thing I'm a little bit concerned about is if you look at their third quarter scoring this year and their four games in the third quarter, they've been outscored 130 to 111. And of the four games that they've played, they've only won the third quarter scoring battle once. They're one in three in the third quarter of games. And again, when we talk about what some of the issues are with the Hawks and what they've been and this, then the other adjustments coming out of the half, either opening up a bigger lead, putting a team away. That's the one place that they've struggled. That's the one area that has been a little bit kind of wonky when you look at their numbers and they got outscored again last night in the third quarter. And a lot of the big third quarter differential came from the Charlotte game a couple of nights ago. But the only third quarter that they've won scoring-wise was the Orlando game. They lost Houston, they lost Charlotte, they lost the third quarter last night. So if there's one thing that I'd like to see them just tweak and get a little bit more in line would be coming out of the half, sort of putting your foot on somebody's neck, opening up a bigger lead, giving you a little bit more space and breathing room and things like that. But outside of that, look, good start for the Hawks, right? Three and one. And they need to beat Detroit on Friday. You know, we talked, I think, about this yesterday. The Hawks started out last year one and eight in their first nine games on the road. One and eight. That included that four games out in the West Coast where it was Phoenix, Denver, Utah, and the Warriors that they went 0 for 4. And they started off one for eight on the road. So they've got a chance here on Friday to take the two games from Detroit. And Detroit's, you know, they're a young up-and-coming team, but they're not good. They're one and four on the season. You need to beat them on Friday. At Milwaukee, at Toronto is what it is. Can you split there? And then we can get a win in New York. Worst case scenario is come back three and two from that road trip. Because one of the things about the road trip last year was they got derailed early on, going one for eight and kind of digging themselves a hole that was a little you know, tough and you know, hard to get up out of. Hard to make up a one for eight start early in the season. And that momentum just kind of carried as they had to fight, scratch and claw their whole way just to get themselves into the play in round. But let's give John Collins a little bit of credit. This looks a little bit more like the guy that we were hoping to see. And if this trend can continue, look, I'm all for a big season out of John Collins. I'm all for Murray and young getting him involved uh, in all of this. I'm all for, you know, we need him to take that step up. If I can get him, you know, remember this guy's been a, a 2010 guy in the past. I mean, if we can get him back into that 1911 range and he's been good from the free throw line, be a competent, you don't have to be a great, just be a competent three-point shooter and give me a little bit defensively, Hawks can be right there. The starts that Hunter and Collins have gotten off to this season, especially on the offensive side of the foot, uh, basketball, excuse me, on the offensive side of the floor, have been exactly what we were hoping for. That's exactly what this team needed to get off to a good start. It'd certainly be nice to get off to a good start and not get into these holes and have to dig yourself out of everything. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Don't forget, make your next listen today, Locked On Sports Today. Check out that podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game repacks, recaps, excuse me, and the take of the day. It's available on, on Odyssey, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast from, Locked On Sports Today. Don't forget, YouTube.com, Locked On Sports
Delana put that in there. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. Free and available. Odyssey, Spotify, all your favorite podcast platforms. It's up there. Leave us a five-star review. Roku and Amazon Fire. Find us on those platforms. Then follow me at JMCH316. We'll take a look at Falcons in Carolina. We'll preview the game coming up tomorrow. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta.